This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Herod's perplexity, feeding of the 5,000, Peter's confession, take up your cross, and transfiguration. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Any adoption of same-sex marriage is not just a moral disaster, not just a social disaster, it's a gospel, it's a theological disaster. Progressive education assumes that humans are inherently good. Thus, education should be primarily about helping humans self-express, that there's inherently good things that need to be brought out of the person. God gives us children so they'll break our stuff to keep us from idolatry. Children force you to move out of yourself. The idea that the church could gather without physically gathering together has no place in the church. Christ did not redeem the church, did not redeem his people virtually, but in reality. Lutheran organists love listening to issues, etc., while shoveling snow. We've all watched it happen or been there ourselves. It's Sunday morning, you're in church. Now go back to the time when your children were very little. It's a lot of work just sitting in the service and trying to glean something from the sermon or pay attention or follow along in the hymns when you have very needy little children who, and they do need your attention even during the church service. How can congregations help that family, that young mother, that young father with their small children on Sunday morning and outside Sunday morning? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. We're coming to you live on this Thursday, January the 12th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be talking with Katie Feeney on how congregations can support new mothers and fathers. We'll discuss the FDA's latest action on chemical abortion with Dr. Donna Harrison of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists and Eric Baptist, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. We'll spend some time with you via your email, listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line, and then we'll round everything off today talking with Pastor Chris Rosebro. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. Word Faith teacher Kenneth Copeland, who has spent a career saying things like, his family doesn't get sick, is getting a pacemaker. Pastor Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith will lead us through it and offer some of his comments. Joining us to talk about how congregations can support new mothers and fathers, Katie Feeney, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mother of four in St. Louis. She is founder and executive director of Swaddling Clothes and author of a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled, Let the Little Children Come to Me. Katie, welcome. Thank you. We usually associate Jesus' words, let the little children come to me and so forth with baptism. Does it apply more broadly? We've definitely applied it more broadly in our personal lives as far as including children with fostering into our homes and bringing them to church with relationships, getting them to know Jesus in that way. And then also with swaddling clothes, just bringing children into the church in a different way aside from a service and getting to know people from the church in that way. Talk about your experience as young parents during your husband's seminary and early years as a pastor. What was it like? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> it was interesting. And I think a lot of people go through this. When you're young parents, I don't know very many young parents who are independently wealthy. So you've got that 
going for you there. So we were we were very poor. I was supporting us while my husband was in seminary. I shouldn't say I was supporting us. I wasn't alone supporting us. I was the only one working. But um, we had both my home congregation and my husband's home congregation were helping us out there too. But it felt a little overwhelming, I think, at times. I think I felt a little bit of pressure on myself in church to have a child that was quiet and very reserved and loved being there all the time because, you know, my husband was going to be a pastor and that is not what I had. (laughs) And so I found myself not being in there a lot and very discouraged. But I mean, I, I at least grew up going all the time and I was not very good for my mother as well. So I knew to keep going and I, I at least had the support of family and in the seminary, you're just assigned different churches to go for field work. So everybody at field work was great and they were encouraging, but we weren't really kind of super involved in the way we really could have been. I think as I was keeping to myself with my unruly child. <laughs> and so it was kind of, and then we just kept adding to the bunch. And so it can be a little isolating, even if people don't necessarily feel outwardly see that that's what it is. In time, how did parishioners become a surrogate family? When we moved to Illinois and we happened to be with a group of people who didn't even wait for me to ask, because I don't know that I would have thought about asking. They just got in there and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. They could just see me, you know, struggling in a way with, by the time we went to Illinois, we had three small children And my oldest wasn't as much of a problem in church, but, you know, he was replaced by two others. And they just got in there and they, not even just the Sunday worship helping, but they just anytime. We recognize that you're not around your family. Do you need babysitters? Do you need a meal? Do you need anything? They were, they just, they asked me all of the time. And at first I didn't really know what to do with this, but then I just realized this is how they they wanted to serve. This is how they wanted to serve. They honestly, truly wanted to help. And it ended up being fantastic. We had always wanted to foster, but I think it gave us the strength or the push to go ahead because we knew that without family close by, we were still going to be okay. We could still do this. We had still people to rely on. Why did you decide to become foster parents? That's a pretty difficult life, at least it can be. Yes, it is not for everybody. (laughs) But long before we had children, I worked in a school and I had met a child who I heard was in foster care. And nobody really talked about it other than we just said that he was in foster care. And so that was really maybe my first exposure because growing up, I never knew anybody that was in foster care. And so I started kind of doing some research about it and thought, this is what I you know, I'm kind of passionate about this This is what I want to do. And my husband and I had always kind of wanted a a big family. And then we had our first son and I thought, I don't know if I'm going to actually be able to biologically have a big family. (laughs) Pregnancy was quite a lot for me, but I loved having children in my home. So we just decided that this was where we should be is just to help kids around us. So if that meant that one day that was adding to our family, great. I mean, legally and forever. Great. But it's always adding to our family because we 
they will always be a part of us, even if they have gone home to their biological families. We took the classes and we, you know, there have been some tough times, but it's been fantastic. Otherwise, I mean, like the kids are wonderful. They're just wonderful. And it's wonderful to love them and to care for them and to just be part of different milestones and to get them sometimes where they need to be and then send them, in a lot of our case anyway, send them back to their parents healed or, you know, on the way to healing and helping that family unit heal. How did the congregation become an extension of your family during that time as foster parents? So much like before, when it was just my own biological children, they said, you're not going to do this alone. We're going to be there. So they, they would watch our kids while we had to take these pretty extensive classes. And they watched our kids. Then a couple of the ladies in the congregation even went through background checks themselves so that they were cleared to watch any foster kids that we had in case I could, you know, my husband and I could never be there and we needed them to watch all of our kids. They provided meals. And then just on Sunday mornings, if I ever had so many that I, you know, I needed to separate kids or parse them out, anybody was willing to sit with anybody else in the pews. And it was just amazing. I couldn't have done it without them without the members of our congregation. It really, a lot of foster parents will rely on support groups with other foster parents or various things. And I don't know how we remotely would have done it without our congregation. How can congregations then help young families on Sunday morning? Obviously not everybody is a foster parent, but everybody still, I mean, I, I had our congregation helping us even before. Obviously I was a foster parent. And it's the same thing. There was a lot going on inside. You know, my kid could be a menace sometimes on Sunday morning. I was internalizing a lot. It's helpful when congregations can just embrace the family, love them, reassure them, and seem very welcoming. And so a young mom or a mom, it doesn't have to be a young mom, mom that is struggling herself or in a dad who are struggling with those years of young kids trying to, you know, is this worth it? Is it worth going to church when my kid is all over the place? May not even be loud, but just like all over the place. I'm not hearing a sermon or I'm, or I'm having to take him out all the time. Is it worth going? I mean, is it? And for the congregation to reassure them Yes, it is. It is. We're here. We'll help in any way we can. So whenever I see, I mean, I still have some young kids, but I also have older kids. So if I see a young, younger mom struggling or a mom struggling with a younger kid, and I feel like I can step in without being a busybody, it, it, anyways, I, I will. I'll leave my other kids in the pew with my older kids and I'll say, hey, go in and listen to the sermon and let me, let me step out this time. Let me sit in here because it's fine. And just to give her a break or know that it's okay. And I say her, a lot of times it's the mom pulling him out, but dads too. I mean, it's the same thing. It's, it can be that way, but it is, we want them there. And I don't think the congregations fully understand sometimes how important those reassuring smiles or anything like that are to parents who are honestly struggling every week just to come and to be a part of that. Katie Feeney is our guest. She's founder and executive director of Swaddling Clothes and author of the column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Let the Little Children Come to Me. We're talking about how congregations can support new mothers and fathers, and we'll do so outside Sunday worship after this.
If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. Bequests aren't subject to federal tax or capital gains taxes. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord Endures Forever. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Herod's perplexity, feeding of the 5,000, Peter's confession, take up your cross, and transfiguration. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand, Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. Public schools are increasingly chaotic and undermine Christian children's faith. We need to rebuild our Lutheran schools to provide a truly Christian alternative. Redeemer Classical School is rebuilding this Christ-focused education in Fort Wayne, Indiana, teaching students to wonder at God's creation and to love their neighbors. We need you to help us give children this faithful Christian education. Donations to Redeemer Classical School go directly to providing scholarships. Visit fortwayneclassical.com give. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at melhs.org, jkrause at melhs.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're talking about how congregations can support new mothers and fathers. I'm Todd Wilkin. Katie Feeney is our guest. Issues Etc. is brought to you in part today by Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas. Faith Lutheran provides a classical Lutheran education for students pre-K through 12th grade. They also offer live interactive online classes for high school students worldwide. Learn more at flsplano.org. Faith Lutheran School, Plano, Texas, flsplano.org. Katie, before the break, you were talking about helping inside the Sunday morning service. How can congregation members help young families outside Sunday worship? There are a number of different things that can be done. And I I know I'm going to have people emailing and texting me all kinds of other ideas that I have not even thought of. Um, And so I'm very excited to hear about all of this stuff. But I have a nonprofit called Swaddling Clothes. And these are only opened in Missouri Synod Lutheran churches. There are 23 currently around the United States. And they're open, like I said, only in Missouri Synod churches. These churches house them and run them how they kind of see fit, but they give clothing and shoes and diapers and wipes and formula to families in need. And that can be inside and outside, obviously, your congregation. So they come in once a month and get to shop for the things that they need for free. So everything is given away for free. And so that's a way for our churches to kind of witness to our community. There are no strings attached. They're not asking you for anything. They're just giving what we can. And there are things that we can do that kind of coincide with that. But if you can't 
do something kind of to that scale, churches can do diaper drives. And then between a lot of churches between like Mother's Day and Father's Day will collect diapers or formula or something, and then they'll give them to various things, crisis pregnancy centers or swaddling clothes centers have been recipients of that in the past in various things like that. And you could, it doesn't have to be between Mother's and Father's Day. It could be anytime. But then going side, you know, we, we focus a lot on the mothers. An idea that one of our swaddling clothes centers had was to do something that was kind of focusing on the men, which I think is an absolutely wonderful idea, where it would be just some of the men in the congregation helping out some of these younger dads that were coming in with, because we do have some fathers coming in with some of the mothers that we have with swaddling clothes. And they're coming in, they don't always have some kind of basic skills as far as plumbing or fixing up various things in the house. And it would be great to learn those things hands-on from some of the members in your congregation. And I mean, I love house projects. Like I am a huge <laughs> fanatic when it comes to, you know, read home improvement projects. And I have learned so much from the men in our congregations. It's just been, it's like a treasure trove. I love going to a new church and be like, okay, what can you teach me? <laughs> and I just know that they would love to impart all that wisdom on, you know, to other people. But just honestly, just in the community, just being loving and giving and, you know, maybe your church doesn't have something like a swaddling clothes or whatever, but knowing what in your community is available so that when you are out and about and you see, or you know, somebody is struggling with something or needs something that you're able to kind of help point them in that direction, churches can do that. And then just being a resource for them to come in and, and listen, being able to listen, but but to have them come in and be able to say, I don't even know where to begin. And a church come in and say, we got you. We have you come in and sit down, bring everybody we've all been there and we can do this all together. What more can you tell us about swaddling clothes? It uh, started in 2013 and our church was just looking for something to do to kind of reach out to our community. And we already had a couple churches in the area that were doing great food banks and various things. And so we didn't want to kind of step on anybody else's toes. And so we kind of realized that the baby market was kind of untapped. So we thought, okay, this would be a great idea. We can just collect clothes from people in the community who give to like various organizations all the time. And then we can keep kind of the best stuff of what people give us and then redistribute to families that we know that are in need. And so a lot of it was kind of my husband's idea who then the church said, great, that sounds good. Who's going to do this? And then he looks at me and says, I think my wife can do this. And I was like, okay, okay. Well, if I'm going to do it, then it's going to be big. <laughs> and so it was. And so I kind of developed a whole plan and like I packaged it up for a congregation to start it a little easier than it was for me. So they could benefit from the work that I kind of put into it all. So then swaddling clothes was born and grew and it's it's still growing now. So like I said, we have 23 active centers and I've got two more that are will hopefully like be up and running in the next couple of months. They're all run out of Missouri Synod churches. They're all run by volunteers. And then members from the community can come in and shop for the things that they need. So we 
advertise through crisis pregnancy centers and other churches and school districts. Some of the school districts around have been probably our biggest supporters because the school counselor will be able to tell families that they know are struggling to come in. And it's been a wonderful blessing both for the clients and for the congregations. Katie Feeney is a Lutheran pastor's wife and mother of four children in St. Louis. She's founder and executive director of Swaddling Clothes and author of a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled, Let the Little Children Come to Me. Find out more about Swaddling Clothes on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Katie, thanks. Thank you. We will talk about the FDA's latest actions on chemical abortion with Dr. Donna Harrison and Eric Baptist of the Alliance Defending Freedom right after the break. Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. IssuesETC.org slash 2023 nominations. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and lay people worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy promotes confessional Lutheran theology through conferences, scholarly exchanges, and publications like Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up for their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com. Have you ever wished you could see Ad Crucem's products before buying them? Well, you can. Come visit us at our workshop in Littleton, Colorado, and watch how we make our Christmas ornaments and print our icons. Check out the quality and fabric of our church banners, or choose some greeting cards, posters, or jewelry. Of course, if you can't make it to Colorado, we're always open online. For details and directions, visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question? Dr. Lawrence Rast, President of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. 
Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship Confessional Theology Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana.